This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're going to talk a little bit about this week's parasha. We're going to talk about last week's parasha. Um, first of all, thank you everyone for coming in this weather. Um, what's bad for one person is good for another. On my way here, I was listening to the news and it seems to me that they ran out of salt and out of um, ice melt, whatever it is. So whoever's in that business is in a... Is, in a very, very good place. They're also talking about car washes. That um, they, this is what they dream of a, a, a year. You know, a year where it's snowing all the time. So we're, we, you know, we're watching the snow. We're like Ive, and they're watching the, the snow, and they're like amazing. Which is something I'm going to talk a little bit about. You know, a little bit about today. But anyway, so in Pasha's Tetzava, which is this week's parsha. So there's a very interesting thing that your kids will come home and talk about because mm-hmm. something that everybody, every Rebbe, everyone, every Mora talks about and what's different about Pasha's Pesava than all the other Pashas and what's different is that Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned at all in Pasha's Pesava. And <laughs> since, since Moshe Rabbeinu was born in Pasha Shmos till Pasha's Pesach Abracha, Moshe Rabbeinu's name is mentioned in every single Pasha. Of course it's not mentioned in Bereshah Snoach because he wasn't born yet. Mm-hmm. So, it's very auspicious that his name is not mentioned from the beginning to the end. And, and the reason that is, and I'm sure most of you know the reason, is that Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, Erase me from the Torah. Why did he say that? Because when, I, when, they, when they served the Egel, and Hashem said, I'm going to destroy Klai Yisrael, and I'm going to bring the new nation from you and your wife and your children... Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, nah, it's not, not, not happening, Hashem, which might sound a little bit chutzpidik. He said, um, if Klaishwell goes down, I go with them. Mecheni nami shifracha. He said it nicely. He said, no. He said, please. Right? He said, mecheni no. Right? He didn't say mecheni misifracha. He said, but I'm the leader of Klaishwell. I'm not interested in having a whole new nation coming for me and my family. It's all or nothing. It's either we all live or we all die. And right after that, Hashem said, Okay, um, I'll be Michael them, you know, for what they did. And of course, Klai Yisrael lived on. Now, in, in the Chidot talks about this and a few other places, that in Sefer Gugulim it says that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgal of Noach. And the reason that Noach had to come back to the world, which I think is a very important lesson for all of us, the reason he had to come back to the world, we know, it says, Noach ish tzadik he was a tzaddik in his generation. Rashi says that's a praise that he was a tzaddik, even though everybody else was rishon. Rashi also says that it's a ganai, that it's it's not a praise because at the end of the day he saved himself, his wife, and his kids, but he did not save the world. And the medrash says it's a very fascinating medrash in Pasha's Noach, and the medrash says very clearly that had Noach said to Hashem. I'm not building the Teva. I am not going into this Teva with my family while the whole world is being destroyed. Had he said that, the Medrash says, the world would have been saved. But he didn't say that. He built it slowly, hoping that people would do tshuva. But he never challenged Hashem. He never said that it's all of us or none of us. Now, had he said that and the world would have been destroyed, he would have been destroyed, Hashem would have had to create Adam all over again. There would have been no human beings, right? So the Medrash says, had he said that, he would have been able to save the world. But he did not say that. So he ended up saving himself and his children and his wife. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu made him make a window in the Teva 
says the, the Medrash, why did Hashem make it make a window? Because Hashem said, even though you're being saved, you need to watch the world being destroyed. You need to be in pain. Watch all these people float by and all the animals float by and watch the world be destroyed. You can't just sit in your teva with your family and everything is great and not see what's going on in the world, not see what's going on with, with the rest of class. Well, it sounds like a very good appeal. They don't have to open an appeal for Arnav or for, you know, for my high school, you know, but this is what, it, this is what the Medrash says. You say, listen, I'm in my house. I'm in my teva. You know, my kids are doing good. My wife's doing good. We're okay. Uh-uh. It's very nice. It's very important to save your, your family, but that's not enough. Now, of course, they were leaders. So, so, so Noah made a mistake and he did not save the world and he was forced to watch the world be destroyed. He had a window on the table and he had to watch people float by. And it, it's, it's, it's very interesting because he brought down the Kabayosha and, and, and in, uh, Reish's Chachma on, on, uh, Masechtis Gehenim, which I don't advise anyone to learn. It's too scary. But, um, there's a Masechta called Masechtis Gehenim, which of course, since I was told not to learn it, I learned it. Um, and, um, it's, it, it is very scary. It talks about each level and whatever it is, but it does say this. It says there's a bridge. That's what it says. There's a bridge. Um, through Gehenim, Ganadin and Ge- the doors of Ganadin and the doors of Gehenim face each other. They face each other. And it says, the Chidok, bring, the Kavayosha brings down, that part of Gehenim is that when you're in Gehenim, you can see Ganadin. You can see what you didn't get. And part of Ganadin is that you can see Gehenim that you didn't get, that you're not there. That's, so the Mamash, they face each other. But there's a, there's a, there's a bridge across Gehenim. And it says that every person who dies, no matter how big a tzaddik they are, doesn't matter who they are, they have to cross that bridge. And the reason they have to cross that bridge is that even though they deserve Ganeiden, even though the tzaddik deserves Ganeiden, he needs to see that, but Lamaisa, you didn't save all these people in your door in Gehenim. So even though he, he could just go to Ganeiden and not see this, no, he has to see the pain of others. That Kodesh Baruch was very, very mocked in Klai that we don't just take care of ourselves and that, that, and, and that we're achters. There's a very, very famous story. I don't have the safer here. The very famous story it talks about in the Pasha. It talks about Nedarim, about promises, and the story is brought down um, in the Avat Chaim. And there was I don't know I forgot who it was, which Tana it was, which Rav it was, but he was walking across this bridge to go to Gan Eden, and he jumped off the bridge. That's what it says. He jumped off the bridge into Gehenna, and the minute he jumped off the bridge into Gehenna. The Malach who, who runs Gehenim had to turn the fire off. Because he was a big tzaddik. He can't be in Gehenim. So he turned the fire off. So there, he was very upset. Get out of here. You know, I, I got my work to do. I have my shlichus. And as long as you're in Gehenim, I can't, I can't do my shlichus. He said, I'm not, I'm not leaving until I'm, you, you, you allow me to take Jewish souls with me. And anyone who can see them know that the Rebbe, he takes his, he goes and he takes whatever he has to take out to save the people who are never suffering in Gehenim, whatever it is. And, and that's part of being close to a Rebbe. Chasham, you should need him to do that. But that's, that's the Kayach, and there's many stories about Shemta. There's many, many stories of it. But anyway, he said, I think it was Rav Kahan, I'm not sure who it was. I'm, I'm not leaving until you let me take out the Shamas from Gehenim and bring him to Gan Eden. So, the Malach, what? I think his name was Rebbe. I remember he talked to Rebbe. It wasn't Rebbe. 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 Okay, whatever. I don't remember exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's a tzaddik. It's a big tzaddik. Anyway, so so they so so they didn't have a number. How many people does he have a right to take out? 
So the Malach went to Hashem, report down, and he said, how many people does this guy have a right to take out? So Hashem said, as many people as he saved in this world. Whoever he saved in this world was 310, that I remember. He did 310 pigeon shuyim, where people were captured by Goyim, and he took them out. He says he can take out 310. So he went to the seventh level of Gehenna, the lowest part, where those people don't get out after Kaddish, after 11 months, they're stuck there forever. And he took out 620. He took out double. So the Mal said, no, no, that's not the deal. The deal is, you can only take out 310. So he said, I really want, could have done double, but I didn't have the money. When we had to do pigeons for him, I only had the money. I was able to collect the money for 310, but I really could have done double. Had Hashem given me the money and a longer life, I definitely could have done double. So it brings out, Malach went back to Hashem. Hashem said he could take 600, he could take 620. And, um, he took this 620 Nishamas from, from Gehenna. And, but before that, it's very, very fascinating. Before that, when he first came to take the 300, when, when he, when the Malach came back, the Malach said that, it depends if you kept your world, your word in this world. Because when he came into Gehenna, he made a net there. He said, I'm not leaving Gehenna until I take a certain amount of neshamas with me. So, the Malach went to Hashem and Hashem said, if he ever broke a promise, then you could throw him out of Gehenna and he doesn't get to save anybody. Because the reason he, he made a promise, he's not leaving until he takes neshamas. But if he's a person who didn't tell the truth in this world, midah kenege midah, in the next world, we don't... We, he broke a promise here, he can break a promise there. And they went through, it brings down in, in, in Amos Khan, they went through all his years on this world, he never broke a promise in his life. So therefore, Mida Kenega Mida, if you didn't break your promise in this world, they can't make you break your promise in, in the next world. So they let him take out these 620 Shabbos. We can't understand what it means. One second in that, what this, what this Tzavik did. And the whole Kayach that he had was that he, that he, um, that he kept his word. So, and, 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 and it's brought down in all this form that what a person does in this world, he has a kayach to do in the next world. What you can't do in the next world, and, 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 and my most famous speech about talking by davening, which, um, I spoke in my, in my, uh, Bungalow colony, and they were very, very upset about it afterwards. Um, they were talking by, there was a lot of talking by davening, and I got up, um, pretty much uninvited before Kriya Taira, and I said, I just want to tell you one thing. And I told him over at Kaviyasha, which is based on, on this on this story, I said, I just have to tell you something. You want to talk by davening? Uh, you know, just, I, I, I can't stop all of you talking about davening. I just want to tell you something. But after 120 years, you're going to go up to the next world. And, and, I, and I, said, I said this, I think I spoke about it here. And, and, and your grandchildren and your children, this one doesn't have kids, this one is older without a shidduch, this one is a panasa, this one has, has a, a sister that's sick, whatever it is. And they're going to come to your cavern. And they're going to come to down by the Zaydir. They're going to come on the yard side. And they're going to come and say, Tati, go, go to Shemayim, go to the Kisei HaKavod. You know, and, 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 and what is, what is, we should never know from it. But what does everybody say after Leviah or by, or by sitting Shiva? He should be a good to better. Right? He should be a good to better for the, for the family. Nah, it doesn't work. You can't be a better if you talk by Navani. You can't be a good to better. Because you're going to come up in front of Kisei HaKavod and they're going to say, you? You, you can't daven now in Shemayim. If you didn't daven in this world, you, and, and you made a chazik out of davening in this world, you can't, you can't, this, this Kavayosha says this, you can't come in front of them. the Malach will not even let you come to the Kisek. Better, but Kisek, you're not even that near Kisek. So I said, so forget about 
you're enjoying yourself, you're talking to the guy next to you, but your kids think you're a good to better, when your mouth is going to be, there's not going to be any, any words coming out of your mouth. Because you talk by davening. You disgrace davening in this world, they don't let you daven in the next world. Everything in the next world is a mirror of what you do in this world. If you talk by davening in this world, they don't let you daven in the next world. Good to better, nothing doing. Nothing doing. There's no better. You may not even have lips in the next world to be able to talk. And, and I said this, and they were like, whoa. They were very upset at me for saying it. And I was like, but they stopped talking. Because, who, what? No, no, no. I, I still had enough friends, but, but I actually changed minyan. It was the 9 o'clock minyan, and we started at 7.30 minyan after that. And, and that minyan is nobody that talks. Very mocked, you see, you're very mocked about talking by davening. Because, because that's your, your whole kayach is tefillah. Because Baruch was like, you, when, you, when it came to davening, you were talking. So now what? When you want to daven to me, I'm talking. What do you think me that can I me that? You're busy on your cell phone all the time. So Hashem doesn't have a cell phone. But you're busy on your cell phone. I'm busy on my cell phone. Everything, that's, that's, it says, start, it's the same piece. It, it, in the next world, your mouth is closed. You write your own din. How you live on this world, that's what happens in the next world. It's not like Hashem says, I'm judging you. You, what you did here, that's, that's, that's what they're gonna, that's what they're gonna do there. Exactly what you're doing is what they're gonna do there. And you know, and, and being a Rebbe is the same thing. You know, dealing with a Kurdish with children. You know, if you don't, if you're a Rebbe and, and you don't deal correctly with his children, then how could you ask him to deal correctly with your children? It's all me the Kinegamida. So a Rebbe who abuses or, or a Moro who, who insults children and hurts children, and then they open their sitter and their child needs help, whatever it is, in Shemayim they're like, what are you talking about? You didn't, you didn't take care of Hashem's children, you should take care of your children? Everything is Midah, Kinegah Midah, to the, the, the smallest minute that. Everything, the way you act in this world, is the way they act to you in the next world. You see this, this man, he wanted to do more of this love, and he couldn't because he didn't have money, but they gave him credit, like he would have done it, because he wanted to do. And Chazal you know, the other way, there's a very famous story about this this big tzaddik who came to an inn and it was erev Shabbos and he had to hide his money and he hid his money and the the, the owner of the inn was a guy and and at Matzah Shabbos he went to find his money it was gone and it was all the money that he had collected for yeshiva for poor people he was the gabai and all he lost all his money and he was very very upset and that night Matzah Shabbos he went to sleep and he had a dream. And in his dream, the Malach told him that where the money was. It was in the graveyard. You used to have like graveyards in the town, little teeny graveyards. So it's in the graveyard. But the guy who owns the inn, his father, it's hidden, in, it's hidden in, by his gravestone. So he got up in the, in the morning, early in the morning, he went to the graveyard and he, and he started digging and he found it by the, by the guy who owned the inn by his, by his father's gravestone. So he, he took it back and when he was leaving, he told the guy, he said, by the way, you should just know that I found my money. I know exactly where you put it. It was buried by your father's gravestone. He said, but I have to ask you something. How did you know that I had money? He asked the guy, how did you know that I had money? He said, I had a dream. And my father came to me from the other world in a dream and said, there's a Jew in your inn, and he has all this money, and this is where it is, and you should take it. So this rub, we came back, he wrote in a safer, he said, I don't understand. This guy's father is in the next world. He's in the next world. He knows there's a God. He knows there's a Din. He's in the next world. How can he come back, tell his son to steal? He sees Hashem. He, he knows what's going on. He knows the truth. He says the Raya is because his father was a Ganaf. So since he was a Ganaf in this world, in the next world, he didn't have a choice. 
He didn't have a choice. He's still a Ganav. Even though he saw the truth, he's still a Ganav. You are, what you are in this world, is what you are in the next world. Except the next world has no Bechira. You don't have like a choice to change. You are actually creating this person, whatever, it's very, in, in, in Kabbalah it talks about this a lot. All your deeds is creating the person who you are, the goof, and everything else that you are in the next world. And it's, it talks about, even, you know, by, by davening, so when a, when a person davens and you're in the middle of davening, you start talking to somebody else or you start looking at your phone, whatever it is. So it says that, that the, the dibor creates the malach. Right? The dibor, saying the words creates the malach. What creates the voice of the malach? Your machshava. So, imagine, right, you're sitting in shul. Well, women don't really say daven out loud, but guys daven out loud. So the guys in shul, and they're like, Amen, Yehei, Shemei, he's screaming the whole davening. He creates this huge malach. He's like eight feet tall. Huge malach. Because the dibor creates the malach, right? Now, the malachim who bring up the tefillah to Hashem, they're like, wow, this guy is really, right? He created this monster malach. Let's put him in the front of the line. Klai Yisrael needs Yeshua, right? Now, meanwhile, while he was screaming, or screaming out loud his davening, his machshava, right? Wasn't some stock that he bought that he bought that morning. He's davening mincha. So now this huge malach comes in front of the kisei covered. All the malachim are leaning in, like this is the one that's going to save Klaishel. And he opens his mouth, and he's like, "So the Dow Jones is up thirty-two points. My stock is." And they're like, "Oh my gosh, we just we just killed Klaishel." You know, this guy just got up. He started, right. So it's very scary, ladies. But what you're thinking when you're davening, that's what comes out of the malach's mouth. Yes, sure. But doesn't it say, um, like, even if you're right. and even your thoughts are not there. Like, you create I'm the malach. For myself, I'm daven, even though I'm not in the mood of daven, and it happens when I'm like the women, and I'll force myself to daven because I want to try to connect. Even during that, so the question is, what's, it, what's in your what's in your machshava when you're diving? If your machshava is blank, like many times we finish Shmon Esrei and we're like, did I say Shmon Esrei? <laughs> right? Or or like, forget about not saying Yalav Yovah, right? Did, did, did I, I dive in Shachlis now? Could you imagine if you get to Mincha in the afternoon and you're like, did I dive in Shachlis today? So what? how good could your Shachlis have been? If you don't remember that you dive in Shachlis, right? How good could your Shachlis have been? Now, the, what did I do to do when you're diving? I know I do it. You have crazy thoughts in your mind. Stop me. I stop me. I said, Shem, please help me get these thoughts out of my mind. So, you're making a very good point because Tilla without Machshava, right? Words without Machshava, you're still creating a Malach, is not such, is, is, you, you're still davening. But, but, when you have the wrong Machshavas, right? When you have the wrong Machshavas, you think about who knows what, that's what's going to come out of the mouth of the Malach. Now, it also talks about that, um, and I saw this in a few spots that if you not have, if you don't have any machshava, so the malach is created without a head. The malach comes up; it has no head. If you when you when you do a mitzvah and you don't do it fully, it could have no hands. It could have so they have some very crazy looking malachim in the next world. It says, but the same thing with an avera. You could do an avera, a big avera, but your machshava was you didn't really want to do it, right? So the avera doesn't have a head. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. But there's a very big joke, especially Shemona Esrei, right? That before you damage Shemona Esrei, instead of saying, Hashem Sifzai Tiftach, you should say Tzil Saderach. Because during Shemona Esrei, you're all over the world. You're all over the place. And, and specifically, so people who teach Tfilah, 
Right? When I talk about, I, I, I say that you should just take on one, one, like, Atakadosh, just that part. Today, that's all I'm going to have real machshava, real, and, and then the next day, Atakhanulam das, because there's no one that davens the whole Shemun Esrein and has, may I shouldn't say no one, but it's very hard to have kavana from the beginning to the end. There is one rav, and, and by the way, the greatest thoughts come in during Shemun Esrein. Business thoughts, new ideas, right? Because the Yitzhahara, right, he doesn't want you to have, doesn't, he doesn't want you to have kavana. So he's, if he's going to throw some silly thing, so he throws the, so there is a few people that I know that took on to themselves that any idea that they have during Shemun Esrei, they will not do. That any idea, in other words, they came up with an idea for business, for yeshiva, for this, for that, during Shemun Esrei, it came to me during Shemun Esrei, I'm not doing it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very fascinating thing. Yetzirah is very brilliant. You go to the bathroom, right, where you're not supposed to be thinking about anything with Yiddishkeit, all of a sudden, you're getting all kinds of thoughts on how you want to change yourself. And, and what was that shot that Rabbi Wallstein said this morning? But all of a sudden you're in the bathroom when you write, you're, you, which brings me to a very fascinating, just one thing leads to another, which brings me to a very, very fascinating story. I don't know if I said it here, but if I didn't, it's, it's anyway a very important, very important story. Um, this is a story about the Noim Elimelech and his brother Rav Zisha. Um, they were very great. Of course, we all know what Noim Elimelech was and Rav Zisha. And... Um, there was a, a time, I think it was in Poland, where they were put into jail because there was a blood libel that the Jews were using matzah to make blood. And uh, these two great tzaddikim were thrown into a Polish or whatever, one of the European jails. And it was a teeny little, teeny little mamish dungeon. A little, a little teeny cell. And um, so, so, so the Neum Ali Melech was sitting, you know, on the floor, whatever it was, there was no chairs. But Rav Zisha was mamish crying hysterically. And all the Goyim, that, there was not many, I mean, there was a teeny little room, but the Goyim that were in the same cell were looking at this Jew like, like you know, it was like a Chil Hashem, like he's not accepting, you know, what God did to him. Look at him, he's crying like crazy, whatever it is. So the Neim Melech went over to his brother, and he said, Rezisha, what, what, why are you crying like this? No, you can't do this. You know, we have to show, we're Makabal, whatever Hashem does. So he said to Neim Melech, don't you see what's in the corner of the room? So Neim Melech looked, and there was a, they didn't have a bath, they didn't have a bathroom in the cell, had a pail, had a metal pail, and that's where the human waste was. That's where they went to the bathroom. So Ravisha said, "You know the halacha that within four, four amas, within eight feet, you can't learn Tyra of a bathroom, especially if there's human waste there. So we're stuck in this. We can't daven, we can't say Tehillim, we can't learn, we can't have machshavos kedoshos. We're like a fish out of water." He says, "Of course I'm crying." So the Naim Elimelech gave, gave him a hug. He said, no, just the opposite. We are luckier than any other Jews in the world. So what are you talking about? He says, who else is able to keep that halacha every second? You go to the bathroom, you can't learn, you leave, and you learn. He says, look at us. For as long as we're going to be in this jail, we're Mekayim that we're not allowed to learn, have a machshava or davin. How many Jews have every second to be able to Mekayim that mitzvah? What are you talking about? We should be dancing and happy that we have a schuz for every second not to learn. Azisha said, You're right. I didn't I didn't think, you know, no, 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 I thought that way. So I didn't I didn't think that way. And he says, Okay, let's dance. So he picks up this pail of waste, Ravzisha, and he starts to dance in the middle of the room. It's a true story. It's a very famous story. And he starts to dance with this pail of waste in the middle of the room. The Goyim that are in the room, they're like these rabbis, these Jews, you know, we knew they're weird, right? But it seems to be that they pray 
when they have waste, they're, they're able to pray. Because these two guys were not, they were, they were not dancing. And now all of a sudden this guy's dancing. And Rav Zisha are dancing with this pail of human waste. So the Goyim start telling each other, the Polish Goyim, they're like, you know, that when God's going to come, they're holy men. When God's going to come to save them, just like in Egypt, right? If we're going to dance with them, we'll be saved with them. Like, you know, in Egypt, the other people were saved with them. The heir of Rav. So, the guy start dancing. So, you, if you have this look into this room, you have these two rabbis with a pail, passing it around, right? And, every, and the whole room is dancing. So, the guard looks, hears people dancing, people singing. It's like, what's going on over here? So, he looks into the room, and he sees everyone's dancing, and this, this rabbi is dancing with, his pail, with the toilet, with the, you know, the pail. So, he turns to one of the guy and he says, what's going on in here? He says, listen, they're, they're very weird, the, the Jews, but... The minute there was waste in the pail, they started dancing. It seems to be they can only pray when there's when there's human waste in the pail. He's really, I'll teach these Jews a lesson. Give me the pail. It's a true story. He takes the pail and he cleans it and he scrubs it to make sure that there's not one drop of waste so they won't be able to daven. And he's like, he cleans it up. It's mama's shiny new. Hands it back to the guy and says, okay, now let's see if they can pray. He says, and I'm telling you right now, the minute someone goes to the bathroom, I want the pill immediately so that they can't pray, so I can clean it immediately. So they put down this clean pail. It's a very famous story. And now it's clean. And the Noim Elimelech goes over to his brother of Zisha, and they start dancing, and he says, now we can say Shema Yisrael, because there was nothing in the pail. And they scream together, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Right? With the same happiness and dancing, when they could not daven, as now that they could daven. And there's a very um, unbelievable vart that came out of this story. When we say Shema Yisrael, we say Shema Yisrael, listen Yisrael, what should, they, what should you listen? Hashem Elokeinu. Yudke Vavke is Midas HaRachamim, Yudke Vavke. Elokeinu is Midas Hadin. Hashem Elokeinu. Sometimes there's Midas HaRachamim, we see pity. Sometimes we see Din. But everyone needs to know something. Hashem Echad. It's all one. You can't pray because the pail is full. You have to thank Hashem. I'm able to keep the mitzvah. You can't pray because the pail is empty. It's the same God. I just told this to a girl yesterday. It's the same God. It's not like there's one mean God and there's one good God. Hashem is Rachamim, but the same God is Din. It's, it's all one God. And, and the same God that gives you life in the morning and the same God that brings children into the world takes people out of the world. And the same God that gives happiness and love the same, the same God in the world is pain and, 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 and that, it's not what you deserve. I, and this, this is part of my speech today. This girl came to me yesterday, whatever it is, and, 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 and she's really trying and she's really doing the right thing and she's just, just not, she's just looking for a big miracle. She said straight up, I said, so what are you looking for? She says, I'm, I'm looking for the big miracle. You know, like, 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 like Meshidach, you know, it's not working and I'm an older girl and, and I keep trying, I keep trying, I keep trying and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to and I keep trying and, 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 and it's, it's not working. You know, like, like, it's, it should just like, it should just happen. Like, like, like I'll go to a wedding and some lady will see me and say, that's my, that's the girl for my boy. And, he, and he's gonna be dancing and he's gonna turn around and look at me by the machitza and he's gonna say, that's the one I wanna marry. Like on Yom Kippur and on Tuba, you know, Tuba Av. And, and I'm looking for this miracle. I'm looking for this huge Kriyas Yamsuf. Right? It's not happening. I'm like, what about waking up in the morning? What about all the things that are going on in your body? What about your vision and your hearing? I said, it's the same God that gave you that. 
that right now is not giving you, is right now the shidduch is not working. It's the same God. It's not a separate God. It's not a bad God, good God. It's all, it's all the same God. My brother, my older brother, he's a big tzaddik. He sits and learns his whole life. He's been sitting and learning. Midas, Torah, he's, he's mamish, an amazing, an amazing boy. One of the top boys in Mir Yeshiva. I got married, I was 19. Right before my brother. Whatever it is, I met my wife, I got married, I was 19. My brother, the tzaddik, right? 21, 22, 23, 26, 28, 30, 31. And my parents are going crazy. The Rosh is going crazy. This is his best, one of his best Hamidim, in Midos, in learning, normal. You know what I'm saying? He's a normal guy. Unbelievable guy. Whoever girl he liked, they don't like him. Every girl liked him, he didn't like. And I have, you know, my, my father was a very big Balamuna. And there's Shiva for sure, but no one understood what's going on over here. Eliezer Wallstein is 28, 29, 30. No, Shidduch must have gone out with a thousand girls. Right? What happens? My mother, she went, she used to sell this Israeli product, whatever it is. She goes to this show, and there's this lady by the show, and my brother, who's a tzaddik, on Sunday took off. He would help my mother pack, unpack, help her sell, even though he was a mamish, uh, the guy that was sitting and learning all the time, but for my mother, he would help us. He had crazy, unbelievable midos, right? Huge masmik. So this lady is watching my brother, right, do all this. She says, you know what? I have a daughter. Maybe it's a good shidduch. So she goes up to my mother, and she says, your son's married? She says, no. She says, you know, I have a daughter. Maybe it's a shidduch. I see his midos. And when he's sitting there, when there's nobody buying anything, he's learning. You know, my daughter's a very special girl. You know, maybe they, sh- they should go out. My mother says, okay, no problem. We check it out, whatever it is. They go out, they get married. What's crazy about this story? That my brother was 31 and she was 18. And the, the, my brother looked very young. So she didn't even ask, how old is your son? By the time they asked, they already were, get, were getting married. Now, he's 13 years older, Right? I mean, he's, he's, um, yeah, he's 13, she's 18, 31, yeah. He's 13 years older, which means that when he went out, when he was 21, she was 8. She was 8. So, but listen, so here you have this, this boy who's really unbelievable, goes out, right? The girl, and with Davin it Hashem, he should have it easy, it should be the first girl, and Hashem's in Shemayim saying, listen, this is not gonna work. She's in first grade. He's 21, she's in first grade. And then next year, we're like, what's going on? Why aren't you doing this? And she's in second grade. And he's, and he's 30, and she's, she's in high school. So, so we don't understand, right? We, we only see what we see. I said this to this girl, I'm like, I don't know who you're going to marry, I don't know what's going on. Maybe he's changing, maybe he's learning, maybe whatever it is. If you believe in Hashem, and this, this is what I want to talk about. If you believe in Hashem, then it's the same Hashem. It's one Hashem. I can't learn because I have a, 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 I'm carrying out a pail full of human waste. I can't work. That's Hashem. Right? The same Hashem is, now I can sit and learn a whole day. The same simcha that the two of them danced with a, with a pail of garbage that they could not learn was the same simcha when they danced with a clean pail. was no different. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hashem is one. He's the same God that, that's giving you life. That yes, some things in your life are not going perfect. Not every, not everything is, because well, I'm doing good, I should get good. 
first of all, there's a lot of tikkun, there's a lot of gilgul. And even if you're doing a lot of things good, we do things for what happened last time. You know what I mean? It, 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 we don't understand. We have to understand that we don't we don't understand. This this story, I mean, this whole thing is really what I wanted to talk about. But I, just, I want to get back to, to Moshe Rabbeinu for a minute. But I went off the subject in this week's Pasha. Because this is, I believe it's the guy that says this, the Vulna guy. It's a mind-boggling shot. When Moshe Rabbeinu's name wasn't mentioned, we started this whole thing. Because he said, He said to Hashem, If you don't save the whole Kleistral, I go with them. Guess what? If I go with them... You have no Shemos, no Vayikra, no Bamidba, no Devarim. There's no Moshe Beno, there's no story, there's nothing. I'm not here. You have to erase me out of... So he said, Mecheni no Any safer that my name's in? Out. So Hashem said, fine, you did good. You did good. I offered you to save you and your family, and you didn't take it. Now, what happened? Moshe Beno was Noach. It was a Gilgal of Noach. So he has to be put in the same position... With the same Yitzhahara, that's, that's, that's how you do a tikkun for why you're back here. You're going to be in the exact same position with the other neshama. It's a, it's, a, it's a replay. Except this time you have to make the right choice. So that's why, really, she put Moshe Rabbeinu in a tene. She put him in a basket. Mm-hmm. But the Torah doesn't say that. The Torah says that she put him in a teva. Teva's gomer. Wasn't a teva. She didn't put him in an ark. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't in an ark. He was in a little teeny, little teeny little boat. A little basket. Right? But the Torah doesn't call it a basket. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu was Noah. Therefore, you were in a Teva in Mayim. you got to be back in a Teva in Mayim. Because that's the way it works in Gilgal and Tikkun. So now, he comes and Hashem gives him the exact same test. Like Noah. Listen, I'm destroying the whole Klai Yisrael. But I'm going to save you and your family. Same test. Noah went into the table with his family. Moshe Rabbeinu said, nah, nah, nah. I know who I am, and I made that mistake once before. Take me out of your sfarim. It's either everyone or no one. If you take the word mocheni, right? Mocheni, mem, ches, nun, yud, and you scramble the letters, it spells me, noach. The waters of noach. Mocheni, erased what I did when I allowed the waters and the time when I was noach to destroy the world. Mocheni, no, misifrecha. Erase, listen carefully. It's godless. I believe it's the Vilna Gain. Mocheni no, misifrecha, right? Erase me, please, from the Sefer of Noah that I, that I made the mistake that I didn't save the world. Now I'm saving Klaiusrael. So by erasing, by offering to erase my name from the Torah because I want to save Klaiusrael, Mocheni no, misifrecha, erase what I did wrong. From your safer. Godless. Everybody who's back, and we're all Gilgulim, that's for sure. Right? That's, it's brought down all this for them. Everyone that's back will come one point in their life when they're going to get a chance to fix exactly, they're going to be in the exact same position, in the exact same place, the exact same Yetzirah, and this time you have to step, step up instead of stepping down. Everybody has that. I don't know what I did in my last Gilgul, but I have a feeling that I... That I, that, that I was making bad speeches and I messed up a lot of women walk, went off the derach because it seems to me that what I need to do is to do a tikkun and, and what, what, I don't, I'm saying, I, you don't, you don't know, you don't know, but, but there is that moment in your life where it's the really, really, really big test and you're going to be in the exact same place. And the same thing happened with Korach. Korach, it says, was, was a Gilgal of, of Kayan and he was put, put in the exact same position because the earth opened up and swallowed him up. And, and, the, and then we know that the other place that the earth opened up its mouth was when Cain died. So it says the blood, of, when Hevel died, it says the blood of your brother is calling from the middle of the earth. But there was only one, the mission says there was only one Pia Aretz. 
So how could it be? The PRH was by Kairach. So the Chazal say, yeah, it was the same PRH. He was in the exact same position that it happened that he kind killed Hevel. Now, and Hevel was also a Gilgal of Moshe Rabbeinu. So before, before Noach. And um, Moshe Rabbeinu was also a Gilgal of, of Hevel as part of it. So he, Moshe Rabbeinu was Hevel. He was Kayin. It was a jealousy of the same jealousy because Hashem accepted the covenant of Hevel, didn't accept the covenant of, of, of Kayin. Here Hashem accepted Aaron and Moshe Rabbeinu, didn't accept Korach. Same exact test, same exact everything. What happened? Again, Korach made the same mistake that Kayin did, right? So in the end, if he got swallowed up in the same spot, that the blood of Hevel, that he did it, that he, that he did it last time. And, and, fascinating. If the Apostle in Noach says, the coal and your brother's voice is calling to me from the earth. That's what Hashem said when he said, when Kayin killed Hevel. Your brother's voice, and what does the Medrash say? That until Mashiach comes, there's a, there's a voice that comes from the middle of the earth, Moshe Amos Amos. Everything is Mida Kenegad Mida. A person will be in that position, once again, that he messed up last time. Same time, same station, same place, same Yitzhahara, same everything. And Hashem gives us another chance to be, to, to, to be Mesachinic. So here, in Pashas Tetzava, Moshe Rabbeinu, he raised his name, and by erasing his name, he he was Mesachinic. But, Pashas Tetzava is usually a week before Purim. This year not, because we have an extra month. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was willing to have his name erased to save Kla Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that in Megillas Esther, my name will not be mentioned. Just like Moshe was willing to save Kla Yisrael and have his name not mentioned, Hashem said, I will save Kla Yisrael, right? Just like Moshe Rabbeinu. My name, his name is not mentioned in the whole Megillah, no Elohim, no Kale, no Ado, no, nothing. Nothing. Just says the word HaMelech. And, and Ritzchim will learn about it. It's very fascinating because if you learn the Megillah, right, according to the Zayar and according to many of the other Mepharshim, that every time it says HaMelech in the Megillah, it means Hashem. When it says HaMelech Achashverosh, it means Achashverosh. But when it says HaMelech, it means Hashem. You will learn a very fascinating Megillah. Where the, where the Geula began in the Megillah, being that's Adar, I can talk a little bit about Megillah, is in the, in the sixth parak, where it says, the king could not sleep. The Zayah says, who is the king? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could not sleep, whatever that means. He could not rest because he signed Xerah that we should be destroyed. So what did Hashem, what did Hashem call for to save Christ? So we did not deserve to be saved in the times of Haman. We all went to that big party. We all assimilated. So what did he call for? Right away he said, bring me the book of the Chronos. Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, the Ovois that was saying. It's fascinating when you learn it that way. Right? And the Taka brought, and Akash Baruch Hu said, What did we do? What did we do for them? Because they, they chose me. What did we do for Christ? So that said, Nasev and Ishma. So that parak is the beginning of the Geula. And one of my boys who wasn't even from, that I was teaching 25 years ago, was sitting in my class, and he said, Rebbe, I have to tell you something. Hashem's name is in the Megillah. I'm like, No, it's not. He says, I counted, I don't know why he did this, right? Eighth grader. He said, I counted the word Hamelech in Perek Vov, which is where the Geula began, and it comes out 26 times. I said, no way, let's count it. We counted it. In the Perek Vov, the Perek of Geula, the word Hamelech is mentioned 26 times. Hashem, Yudke Vovke, is in the Geula, but, it, but it's hidden. Moshe Rabbeinu's name is in Pasha Tzitzavah. But it's very hidden, says the Vulgar Guide. 
and I'm going to tell you where his name is. You have to write this down because you, you're not going to remember this. This is fascinating. I believe it's the Vumagayim. And he says the following. How many Pesukim are in this week's parasha? So at the end, when you look at Jehumish on Shabbos, you see at the end of every parasha, it says, how many Pesukim? There are 101 Pesukim in Parshas Tetzavah. Okay? Now, the, in every person's name, there's a Nista and there's a Nigla. There's hidden, there's your hidden name, and there's your name that everybody can see. What, what does that mean? So, if you take the word Sarah, someone's name is Sarah. So what do you see? You see a Shin, and a Resh, and a Hey. What's the hidden name? How do you spell Shin? Shin Yud Nun. So the Yud Nun, you see the Shin, but you don't see the Yud Nun. The Yud Nun is the Nister part of your name, right? Resh, right, is Resh Shin. You see the Resh, you don't see the Shin, right? Hey is Hey Aleph, you see the Hey now. If you take Moshe Rabbeinu's name, so the Nigla is Mem Shin Hey. What's the Nister? How do you spell Mem? Mem Mem. So the letter that you don't see is the letter Mem. How do you spell Shin? Shin Yud Nun. So the letter you don't see is the Yud and the Nun. What's Mem? 40. What's Yud? It's 10. It's 50. What's Nun? 50. It's 100. What's the last letter of Moshe's name? Hey. How do you spell Hey? Hey Aleph. So the letter that you don't see is the Aleph. So the letters of Moshe Rabbeinu's name that you don't see equals 101. The exact amount of psukim that's in Pashat Tzitzavah. So that means that every single Pasuk in Pashat Tzitzavah is part of Moshe Rabbeinu's name. So, even in the place, and, and I'm going to tell you the lesson that I got from this Vilna Gain. I got a, an amazing lesson. I think it's, it's, especially it's very important for people who want to help others. What, what was the lesson that I got? The lesson that I got. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mecheni nomi sepacha. And, 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 and therefore, Hashem had to erase him because when a tzaddik is goizar, Hashem mekayim. So, even though in the end Hashem said they're, I'm forgiving them and they could live, but something from what comes out of a tzaddik's mouth has to come true. That's why you have to be very careful what comes out of your mouth. Because some part of it is going to come true. So, he, so he had to be erased. So you would think, so you know what? At the end of the day, when Misa, and, and this I get a lot, Tzadik Viraloi, he did such a great thing. He saved Klai Yisrael. And look, what's his reward? He gets erased out of a parsha. Hashem, come on. That's not fair. In the end, he should have put Moshe Rabbeinu's name more in the parsha. Look what he did. He was willing to sacrifice himself for the whole Klai Yisrael. So now, you take his name out of... It's a big thing to have you. Every time your name is mentioned in the Torah, it's, it's unbelievable. Now you take his name out of the Torah? That's his reward? And the answer is, he didn't take his name out of the Torah. He just took it out of the Nigla. In fact, Moshe Rabbeinu's name, if it would have been in Tetzavah, it would have been 10 times, 12 times. His name is in every every single Pasuk. Because if there was one less Pasuk, right, it wouldn't equal his name. There would be no Moshe. So he's in every single Pasuk to a hunt from 1 to 101. So it looks like to us, it's not fair. Look what happened over here. He was willing to give himself up. Now he loses his name. No, just the opposite. It's the only Pasha from Shemos to Bezai Sabracha that has, that has 101 Psukim. That has his name in it. And his Nigla name, Moshe, which is 345, there is no such Pasha. That has 345 psukim. So the only parasha in the Torah that has Moshe Rabbeinu's name in every single pasuk is the one that looks like Zutar of Zutar. Look what you did to him. You 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 punished him. 
again, it goes back to, it's the same Hashem. It's the same Hashem. And we, the Emunah, the Emunah is that, that when things look like, this looks like it's very unfair, then we, when it looks like it's unfair, it's extremely fair. And, and, and that's what Emunah is. Emunah is not only when you get the good news. Emunah is that it's the, it's the same HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that, 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 you know, that, that children are born Chasrushalm, I mean, that children are born Chasrushalm, that Chasrushalm somebody dies. It's the, it's the same God. It's the same cheshman. He's he's just as smart when a kid is born as when a person leaves the world. And people get crazy. This person died young. This this happened. This happened. This happened. It's the same God. So if you're judging him for that, then then, then it, it's it's not a different God. And I think there's a separation in our heads a little bit. It's the same Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And and it's it's very frightening today. It's it's it's, it's because we're so we're so. We're so disconnected. We, we don't see, you know, people are like, I, I don't see God. I get this from kids, all, everybody. I don't see Hashem. I don't see Hashem. I don't see Hashem. Because you're not, you're not programmed. I have a friend that's, he does kitchens. That's his business. Very close friend of mine. He's in the kitchen business. Many years ago, we're driving up the FDR Drive on our way up to the mountains. And I don't know if you ever see on the FDR Drive, they have these huge, you know, apartment buildings. On the east side, they have these huge, huge apartment buildings. And um, he says, Zach, what do you see? I'm like, bricks? He goes, no, come on, look closer. What do you see? I don't know, I see uh, an apartment building with probably 200 apartments. I wish my father would own it, right? I wouldn't have to work anymore. I see, I see a lot of apartments. He goes, no, but what do you see? I'm like, what do you want from my life? What, what, people, I don't know, what do you want? He goes, I see kitchens. I see kitchens. I see 200 kitchens. I said, I hear you. You're in that business. So I'm like... So when you go past a Barnes and Noble bookseller store, right? And I ask the ladies here, what do you see? You're all going to tell me books. But you see, I sell them their plastic bags. So I don't see books. I see bags, right? Books don't do anything for me. The bags do, right? So when I go past that store, I'm like, that's 10,000 bags, right? And you're like, what are you talking about? What, we're bags. I don't see bags when I go to a bookstore, right? So depending what you're in, what you're involved in, that's what you see. So, yes, if you're, if you're involved in nature and science and technology, you don't see Hashem. Hashem is Nister. He, he, he does much bigger miracles today than I was, I was telling my class last night. Chris Yamsov, with all respect, and I just, I, I was in Florida, I was in Eretz Israel. I'm like, I, I really think that flying El Al to Israel is much bigger than Chris Yamsov. Honestly. Why? Because the Yamsov is not 5,000 miles long. I got into a plane. I'm, you know, I like to watch that, that screen where it tracks the plane. So it says, I'm at 40,000 feet. The plane's going 670 miles an hour. The outside temperature is 69 degrees below zero. And Wallerstein is sitting on the plane having a hot meal. Right? Right? If it depends if you're in business class or not, with your seat all the way back. You know, you're in the middle of flying and you're looking and you get up and everyone's sleeping. Right, because it's flying overnight. Everyone's sleeping, laying on a bed. If you're in coach, you're in coach. But I'm talking about in business class, right? And and you're forty thousand feet up in the sky. It's freezing outside. If the window would have a little crack in it, we're all dead. We're all forced a piece of ice in one second, right? And everyone's sitting there. I'm like, Chris Yamsov, they have to walk. We don't have to walk. We get on a plane. We sit down. We don't move. With a screen. With food. Forty thousand feet. And we're flying. Human beings were created to walk. So in Kriyas Yamsuf, they walked. We're not even walking. We're flying. Like a bird. I think 
It's bigger than Kriyash Yamsuf. Honestly, Kriyash Yamsuf wasn't 5,000 miles. It had a bathroom. And, and it says in the Medrash of Kriyash Yamsuf that one of the greatest things was that they could see, there were 12 rows, that one shavet from one side could see 12 rows away the other shavet. Hello, I can Skype <laughs> to Eretz Yisrael, my kids. They're 5,000 miles away. I can Skype a guy in Australia. He's 12,000 miles away. Big deal. They could see 12 rows. How far was that? 1,000 feet? 5,000 feet? So we're into, this, this, this whole thing started yesterday with this girl. So we're into, show me a big miracle. You get on a plane, you get off a plane, it's impossible. The plane weighs thousands and thousands of tons of metal. It's impossible. How is that thing flying? Because Hashem created the world with gravity, with physics, with if the, if, the, if the wings are shaped a certain way. So he hid himself in technology. He hid himself in nature. Between nature and technology, nobody believes in God. So he hid himself and he gave the human being the ability to have godliness and to create these things. We, we didn't, why didn't we create this two, a, a thousand years ago, 500 years ago? Why didn't we have a phone? You think we're smarter than those people are? Because the Kirsch Baruch said, this is a time to bring this das into the world. We're, we're smarter than the Rambam? We, 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 we can do open heart surgery? We can do, we can do heart transplants? The Rambam didn't do heart transplants. So you think we're smarter than the Rambam? You think we're smarter than the others that were saying to? They didn't have this kind of technology? Right? When he just get into a plane? When he get into a car? Right? He went to that cater on a donkey? Why didn't he have a car? We're smarter than Abraham Avinu? No, because Baruch Hu, when he wants to bring himself into the world, so he hides. And he hides in technology. And he hides in nature. It, it's, it's so sad because I was so happy. I'm not happy, but I'm happy that the world is pretty much, America is pretty much freezing. Because I don't know if you've been listening for the last 10, 15 years, they're into this ozone level, and because you use deodorants, it's breaking down, and there's global warming, right? And the world, and the, the scientists, in a certain amount of years, the ice is going to melt, and we're all going to be in one big fat flood, even though Hashem said, I'm never bringing a flood into the world again to cover the world. But they go, now? I'm like, okay, scientists, what do you got to say now? Global warming? Minnesota minus 40 degrees? Chicago minus 30 degrees? We're freezing the whole northeast... We're freezing. Atlanta, Georgia had snow. Now what do you say? So you know what they said? Listen to this. You think they're going to say, Hashem, well, maybe maybe God's controlling the weather. Maybe we're not. No, they said like this. It's past global warming. <laughs> we're not, I'm serious. what they said. We're now in climate, climate change, which is a degree, or it's already past that. The ozone broke down so much. So now, now we're going to get freezing. Then we're going to get hot. Then we're going to get freezing. Then we're going to get hot. Then we're going to get a lot of rain. Then we're going to get no rain. This is Mother Nature. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you can't see that you keep talking about global warming. Hashem's like, global warming? I'm going to turn the thermostat down. <laughs> right? So they, I mean, I, I, most of you didn't watch the Super Bowl, I'm sure. But there was this big Super Bowl in America, the big, big Super Bowl. So there's, there's this coach and he's interesting coach. The guy who won, he's very into religion, um, spirituality, yoga. Can you imagine football players sitting there with their legs crossed doing yoga, humming, right? He's a natural food. He's an interesting guy. And, and most of the NFL made fun of the guy. He, he, he gets involved with the families. Like he's like a very interesting guy, right? So, so, on, so on the Super Bowl on Sunday, it was 59 degrees. It was amazing. The perfect weather for a football game. Perfect weather, right? And Monday was snowing. 
So on Monday, they had a news conference. And this guy who won the Super Bowl, this coach, right, gets up and he says, you know, it's amazing. The storm missed us by one day. Had it snowed on Sunday, there would have been accidents, and on the field, people would have gotten hurt. And, you know, so instead of thanking God, this is what he says. He says, so what do you learn from this? The NFL is that powerful that it can control the weather. The NFL controlled the weather that it wouldn't snow on Sunday. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you're a spiritual man. Like, Why don't you just say, thank you God, right, that you made a beautiful day for us to play ball. Now, the NFL is so powerful because if you sell kitchens and you look at a building, you see kitchens. So I was telling this girl yesterday, right, and, and this is the whole thing of this, and, and I'm going to end with this. I was telling this girl that if you, if you study God, if you're close to Hashem, then you look at a rose and you're like, wow, Hashem, unbelievable. But if you don't study God, you look at a rose and say, wow, look what nature produced. If you study God, you look at a human body and, and, and every cell, and it's crazy. Right? And you're like, this is unbelievable. That's what you say by Right? You look at a human body, it's amazing. If you're close to Hashem, you see Hashem in a human body. What is the human? Right? He's created in the form of God. But if you're, you're not a student of God, and you're not close to Hashem, it's medicine. It's nature. So I said to her, you want God to do miracles? God is doing miracles every second. You are programmed that everything that you see in this world, you take for granted. It's technology. And anything... A flower or a fruit. You walk into a fruit store, the shapes and the colors and everything else. I see God. Many of us see fruit and vegetables. I see God. I think it's crazy that you put all these seeds into the same ground and all of them have different DNA. Seeds, plants have DNA. Tomatoes, you put a tomato seed in, you'll never get a cucumber from it. It has DNA like a human being. It's crazy. That little seed, you know what's going on in there? That's DNA. It knows that it's going to grow red, tomato, on a vine. It doesn't have a brain. It has no brain. A seed has no brain. How does that happen? Because Baruch who created this little seed to grow as a tomato and this little seed to be a cucumber. So when I go to a fruit store, I'm like, this is a museum of artwork with God's signature on it. Or in a flower store. Or medicine, or the human being, or technology. Because Baruch Hu, it's all Him. Because I study Hashem, and I'm close to Hashem, and I see Him in everything that He does. But if my whole life is technology, and my iPhone, and all the other stuff, I don't see Hashem. Uh, iPhone, I see Hashem in an iPhone, don't get me wrong. That He gave us this disability, for whatever reason, in this generation, for whatever reason, we need to have this ability, is, is nuts. It's not normal. I mean, we're abusing it because we abuse everything. But that's not normal that he gave us the brains. We are not smarter than the generations before us. That's for sure. He decided to bring technology into, at this point. He decided to, to create the wheel at this point. He decided to, that, you know, that, that's a Kosh and, and where we're going to go from there, I don't know. But he wants us to use it correctly. So, so it's not, not Hashem. Hashem is hidden. There's nothing to talk about. The, the, the game here is to find him. It's not a game. It's hide and go seek. But it's very sad when that last boy hides. And everyone's like, ah, forget it. Let's go out to lunch. And he's sitting there, and he thinks he's doing really great because nobody could find him. And then he realized, Nebuchadnezzar, the reason nobody found him is because nobody's looking for him. And there's a very sad chazal that says, in the last door before Mashiach, that's what's going to happen.
Hashem is always hidden. Hashem was always Nister. We're always going to be looking for Him. They're going to be, it's so true. They're going to be so busy with their stuff that they're not going to have time to look for Hashem anymore. So He's going to be hidden, and He's going to be saying to His Malachim, I'm hiding, but no one's looking for me. That's probably the saddest thing that can happen in hide-and-go-seek, is you hide and nobody looks for you. Right? That's the last door before Mashiach. Hashem's going to be hidden and they're going to blame everything on nature and the NFL and technology and, 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 and global changes and our job. And that's the month, that's the month that we're in right now, the month of Adar. The month of Adar is, is about Nistar. And Hashem says, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an unbelievable thing that, that Adar, Purim, has to be close, has to be next to Nisan. Because really, we should have Purim in this month. The first month. We should have Purim now, on the 15th. On the 14th. On the 15th. But, but we don't. Why? Because it has to be, Geula has to be Smichat Geula. They have to be next to each other. Why? Why does Purim have to be next to Pesach? And the answer is, you can't get to Nigla. You will not get to Nigla. You will not have Moshiach until you find Hashem in Nister. So Purim has to be next to Pesach. And therefore it says that on Pesach and Nisan, we will be redeemed like we were redeemed in Mitzrayim. And the only way to get there, to get to that redemption where Hashem will reveal Himself, is after you start looking for Him. Because what happens in hide, in, in hide and seek? What happens when you can't find? You look and you look and you look and you can't find the person. So after all, He comes out and says, Here I am. I win. But if you don't look for Him, He walks away. They went to out to eat. Have a good day. They're not my friends. So he says, in, in, in Adol, this month, our job, everyone in this room, our job this month is to be able to find Hashem in the Nistar, in the everyday things, in, the, in, the, in, in your kids being able to talk, in you being able to hear them. That's what we need to find HaKadosh Baruch in the Nistar. And Hashem says, if you find me in the Nistar, if you look for me in the Nistar, then I will reveal myself at the end of the game. I will reveal myself in the Nigla. And that's and that's and that's Chodesh Nisan, and that's this week's parasha. Parasha Tetzava is is the essence of Moshe Rabbeinu's name being hidden. But really, we learn from this week's parasha that really he's in every single pasuk, and you, that's the same thing in life. You think Hashem Hashem is really hidden, but he's in really every single part of a person's life. So I know it's very late. I just want to end with with um, two seconds with a uh, um, a story. And the, and the story is, I, I don't know if I, if I ever told you the story of the eyes, um, but I, I think that's, does anyone have a sitter? Anybody have a sitter on them? Just for one second. And it's, it's a two-minute story, but it's, it's a big story. And I, I'm, I, want, I also want to tell you while we're getting the sitter, that Amit Hashem, on February, tw- on, oh, thank you. On February 26th, right? February 26th. So that's the, the slot, the night slot, the 8.30 to 9.30 slot. Um, she is, and, any, and and Ruth can tell you this, she is, I feel, the number one speaker, Jackie Betone. She is unbelievable. You, if you haven't ever heard her, you will not, you won't walk out of the room. You, you, she'll be finished speaking, you're just going to sit here for another hour, just just absorbing. Jackie Betone, so she's coming, Amir Tzashem, um, on February 26th. You should be here. It's it's the Wednesday evening share from 8.30 to 9.30. So, some people are like, oh, no, I just go to Rabbi Wallstein. Big mistake. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm serious. Big mistake. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're going to be giving, there's a flyer. This is not going to be here. It's going to be in Padre Shlomo, alright? Right, so it's going to be, all our show going to be there from now on? Mine also? Right, so we're going to move to Padre Shlomo, which is 4424 16th Avenue. They have a great restaurant downstairs, so, you know, and I tell you one day the story that happened to me in that restaurant. Anyway, so, um, 
Also, this month is Shabbos. This month is Shabbos. I am, I am, we're doing for husbands and wives, because one of the problems is that the women go home, they tell their husband everything, and they're like, eh. So, we have to knock them over the head a little bit. So, Matzei Shabbos, Yimitz Hashem, Chesky Kaftal is, is, is hosting it. Um, I'm, I'm going to be the speaker, Yimitz Hashem. And um, what's the address there? Same address, right? It's on 4424 16th Avenue, Yimitz Hashem, this Matzei Shabbos, at 8.30, Malaba Malka, with Zemiros. I'm speaking, we're also having... Three rabbis, me and two other rabbis, we're going to have a Ask the Rabbi session. And we're going to set up all your husbands. Because we're going to set up with questions. And um, it's, it, listen, it's, I think that it's a, it's, I'm talking on Shalom Bias. I'm talking on Chinuch I'm talking about bringing up kids. I'm talking on Shalom Bias. And, and you can't, you know, as, as much as you come to my shir and you bring home a lot of things, we really need, you know, a, a marriage and, and parenting is, is two partners. So we're trying to get that second partner. So I don't know, make him a deal. Tell him you make his fa- you'll make his favorite supper Sunday night. Whatever it is. Um, so that's the Mitzvah Hashem. How do you, how do you register? It's on, it's on here. Okay, so the flyers are on the way out. Let me just tell you this story very, very fast. Um, some of you have heard it. What? Oh, we, we, okay. Eli Nishmas, right. The whole shir. Or Hashem was a beautiful shir. Harav Avram Chaim Beminyam and Zev. Who was it? Rabbi Spitzer, who was a... And Eloy Otzim, he wrote a lot of spawns. And you haven't have, I, we, it didn't, they didn't produce it yet, but I saw it about four, 30 years ago, he wrote about Chinuch on kids. And it's very fascinating, because he was, he was very, very on target. Let me tell you this story very, very fast. So if you heard it, I'm sorry for repeating it, but, how come we don't have a Lakana Shama here? We do have it. No, we don't have it. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not used to. Where do we have it? In the beginning? No, I'm, I'm before brachas. Before brachas, we only have Eilu Advarim. I got it, I got it. Okay, I got it. Fine. What, Nosuch? Ari? No? Svar. Okay. They changed it around. Okay, anyway. Listen to the Totsi very, very fast. So there was this, there was this blind, there was this blind girl, and um, she was looking for a shidduch. She was blind. And finally they read her a shidduch, and he, he, so he, he marries her, and um, life is going on. It's, 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 she lives in a dark world. It's very hard. And one day they hear on the radio that in Texas they started doing transplants, eye transplants, where they could take eyes and they could they could do a transplant. And the person will be able to see. They're just experimenting. It's something new. So they're listening on the radio, and she's like, "I, w- I wish we could, you know, both of us, right?" They were both blind. She thought they were both blind anyway. And, um, I, you know, so he listens to the radio. He says, you know what, I'll call. He has a number to call. He calls the number. And they're like, listen, we just started doing this in Texas. We'll put your name down. Right now we have like 10,000 people ahead of you. Probably within 10 years we'll, we'll you know, we'll get back to you, whatever it is. So they're very tzibrachim. You know, they, they get all excited. Now it's 10 years, whatever it is. And she's like... If I could just see, if I could just see for a minute, if I could just, I don't know what colors are, I don't know what any, if I could just, if I could just get a pair of eyes just for a minute, you know, 10 years, and you know, and we're just on a, whatever, and he, he really loves her very, very much. Anyway, four months later, he comes running into the house and he's screaming, we, we, we got in, we got in, we got in, I got a phone call that for some reason, maybe we're connections, I don't know how, but we're in, we're in, we're in, and they want us right away to come down to Texas to have the, to have the operation, and she says, me or you? He says, no, no, it's more important that you're able to see. You. So she's like, you sure? He goes, you. Fine. They go down to Texas, and 
they have this operation. She has, she has this, the night before the operation, he's sitting next to her bed, and he says, like, um, I'm so happy for you, and, and I hope the, I hope the operation's gonna work, and, and Mr. Hashem, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna see the world, and, 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 and I'm so excited, and, and she's like, I'm also so excited, and Mr. Hashem, you know, they'll have eyes for you one day too, and then, they re- he really, really cares about her very, very much. Okay. So, he says, but, you know, I need, to, I need to tell you something. I, you know, you need to know something. She goes, what? She, he, he goes, well, when, when you're gonna, when you're gonna get the eyes and you're gonna be able to see me, there's something you need to know about me. She goes, what? He goes, I don't have eyes. Uh, you know that I'm blind. I don't have eyes. So I, I have these like two patches on my eyes because I don't have eyes. So, uh, it may look a little grotesque to you, but, um, you know, I just, I don't want you to be in shock. You know, I never told you that, I, I, you know that I'm blind, but I never told you I don't have eyes. So I just want you to know that. She goes, no, don't worry, Mitzashem, you're gonna get just like me, whatever, it's fine. She has the operation. And after a week or two, her, she begins to see. It's amazing. And she begins to see things, and she talks to see her husband has these two patches, he doesn't have eyes, whatever it is. And, um, so she goes to work, and it's the first time she can see, and she, the, the, the guy that she works for, she's very beautiful. The guy that she works for begins to work on her. And he's like, what are you stuck with a blind guy for? I understand when you were blind, but now you can see the whole world. Listen, if you leave him, I'm single. If you leave him, I promise you, and you marry me, I will take you. I'm very wealthy. We will see you lost so many years. We will see the Alps. We will see the desert. We will see South Africa. We will go on safari. I will make up for you all the years that you were blind. And she's like, no, I'm married. My husband, but he works her. And he works her. And she taka, she can see now. And she can go places. And this guy's walking around bumping into walls, right? He's with, with, with a stick. And she's like, you know, I only married him because I was blind. But now, you know, I have a chance to have a whole life. So one day, from the office, she calls him up. And she says, you know, Chaim, I have to tell you something. He says, yeah, sure, what, 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 Miriam, what? She says, I met this guy, and with all respect, he, you know, he, he's very wealthy, and he wants to take me all over the world, and you know, you know that I did love you, but, but you're blind, and, and I can't live, I live so long in the world of darkness, and I'm able to see now, I, I can't live in your world anymore, so I want a divorce. He says, what? She goes, I want a divorce, I can't, I can't be in this world anymore. I have to, I have to go into the world of, of, of people who could see. And, and, you know, I'll always love you for who you were, but, but it's, it's just very different right now. He goes, I understand. I understand. You know, maybe he's such a nice guy. He's like, maybe if I got my eyes, I would have done the same thing. You know, I don't know. I'm not judging you, whatever it is. He says, okay, I'll be out of the house by the time you get home tonight. Fine. She feels a little bad, but she hangs up the phone. The guy's like, you did it. You did it. You told him. She goes, yes. He goes, yes. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. Fine. So she comes home that night. It's a crazy story. She comes home that night. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, listen to the end of the story. So she listened to the end of the story. Believe me, it was worth, it was worth spending the extra 10 minutes with the story. So, so he, she comes home and his closets are empty. No remembrance of him whatsoever. But on the bed is a letter. So she goes to the bed. She, I don't have the letter with me. I didn't bring it. But I have it written down. And, and I wish I had it because it's much better when I read it. But whatever. And there's this letter. Dear Miriam, I'm really sorry that this is a decision that you made. But I will love you forever. But I want to ask you one favor. Make sure 
that you take very good care of those two beautiful blue eyes that you now have. Because not long ago, they were mine. He wasn't blind. He gave her his eyes. And that's why they didn't have to wait 10 years. Crazy story. Let me, I'm not finished. I have to finish. So she puts down the paper, of course. And she says, she puts down the paper, of course, and she says, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He gave me his eyes. And I used these eyes? His eyes? To fall in love with this other guy? The eyes he gave me to look at him? Instead of looking at him, I looked at him? My husband's eyes? And I used those eyes to look at him? Oh my gosh, what have I done? The story, every day. I'll tell you where the story is. Because you gave me a, a, a soul. You created me. You formed me. You put in me your breath. Your eyes. Your soul. Your breath. You're going to give it back to me? All the time that I have your eyes, HaKadosh Baruch I thank you. The exact same thing. HaKadosh Baruch gave us His breath, His life. So we should have life to see Him in all the things that He created. And we use our brains and our eyes and our thoughts to look at everybody else but him. To look at our phones, to look at everything else with what he gave us, the eyes that he gave us, to see him, the blue eyes, to get, that we should see him in everything. We're looking at stuff on the screen, we're looking at things, we're listening to things, with the, with the ears that he gave us to hear him, with the eyes that he gave us to see him, with the mouth that he gave us to talk to him. We're using all of that for others. That's the story of the eyes. Is it a true story? No. It's, it's a marshal, and I'll tell you why it's not a true story. Number one, number one, they, they, they're, they're not able to do, they're not able to do a, a full eye um, transplant, but they are able to do a retina transplant and a cornea transplant. So could the story be true? Yes, there are people that are blind that are, that are, that are, they're blind because they have, they have retina and cornea problems. And I happen to know someone that just got a transplant who mamas couldn't see and today he could see amazing. So could it be true? It could be true. But, when I heard this story, which it blew me away, I said to myself, because I'm a thinker, I said to myself, if the story was really true, they would have each taken one eye. That way they could have seen each other. So, yes, you can say medically they couldn't, whatever it is, but, but the sto- it's not the story whether it's true or not. It's the, the marshal, the nimshal is the truth that Hashem, you know, every single day He gives us our soul and our, our ability to see Him, to hear Him, to feel Him, to, to feel Him in our hearts and our souls. And instead, we use what He gives us, exactly like this lady, to fall in love with the Ish Acher, with, with the Satan, with everything that He created. This is the month to use our eyes and everything that we have to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the hidden. And He promises us if we do that, we will see Him in the revealed. Have a good day. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.